Welcome to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center, located on East 7th Street in Joplin, where they are passionate about sharing the freedom and forgiveness found in Jesus Christ. Now, here's Pastor Dan with this week's edition of In Him. Would you open your Bibles with me today? And uh, as you get ready to just to hear, let's just tag the rest of that word. My goodness, I'm I'm so blessed by that today. I'm I'm reminded that those words out of our mouth. I want to show you a commercial in just a second. I think uh, that probably floats my boat this season of my life. I I like it a lot. Um, Is it ready? It is ready. I want you to, I want you to see this, and I want to have the men confess afterwards. <laughs> it's okay that everybody ignores me when I drive. It's fine because I get a safe driving bonus check every six months. I'm accident free because I don't use my cell phone when I'm driving, even though my family does and leaves me all alone. Here's something else: I don't share it with mom. I don't, right, mom? I have a brand new putter you don't even know about. It's awesome. Safe driving bonus checks only from Allstate. Sometimes I leave the seat up on purpose. (laughs) Switching to Allstate is worth it. (laughs) Sometimes I leave the seat up on purpose, he said. (laughs) Uh, Not around our house. (laughs) We've been trained a long time ago about that. If it happens, it is an accident. Mm, Jesus. Um, uh, I just thought maybe you needed to see that and be reminded that he was being safe and not, you know, not on his phone while he's driving. But Lord have mercy. Uh, anybody got a putter like that? You don't have to raise your hands, but confession is good for the soul. Last week, we started part one. Didn't know it'd be a part one and part two, but did you only get so through so much stuff today? Um, did I tell you about your blessing today? You didn't get tickets because everybody's a winner today. On behalf of fathers, uh, I just want all of you to know today that there is a special, uh, wonderful surprise on this Father's Day. Can you show that to us up there so that everybody can see it? As you get ready to leave today, you will be colorful. (laughs) But you're pointing towards heaven. And then you'll have a blackout. Before you drive, because it's okay, they're just cutting into my preaching time. No, not because of 2020 vision. Oh, I just want to tell you now. Ta da! Uh, today, Shaved by Grace is going to be here. And you can go out, when you, when you leave today, all you men, take your children and your families with you outside. Shave by Grace is here. Get the flavor of your choice. And every man and every one of your family members, uh, your wife, your, your, your mother, father, whoever's here, you get to have a Shave by Grace and all kinds of flavors. And they're going to be out there. Uh, isn't that neat? Shaved by Grace. 
shaved ice. So that blackout is right after you've had way too much sugar. There you go. You have to let your wife drive you to the, to the house or the buffet or whatever. Um, I'm excited about this morning's um, part two message. So let's be reminded of last week a bit. Uh, the call is be a man. Be a man who tells his son, stand on the rock. 1 Kings 2, we looked at verses 1 through 3. David was drawing near to the time of his death, and he charged his son Solomon, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore. Prove yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. Walk in his ways to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Isn't that good? The shorter version of that is keep your feet planted on the rock, Christ Jesus. How about that? That's that's that new covenant capacity of that. Last week we talked about men being um, men with four pillars that that really hold the, the, the portion of God's plan and purpose for your life. We call them the four pillars of a man's heart. We looked at them. Those four pillars are the king pillar, the warrior pillar, the mentor pillar, and the friend pillar. We started with this king pillar. We know that a man is to have a vision and a character of a king. So we looked at that. We started with understanding some of the story of King Arthur. And we looked at kind of that story of Camelot and how our own society as a country, we... There was a moment in the early 60s that America thought maybe we were entering the age of Camelot with um, JFK and the beauty in the picture of this young, strong, healthy-looking family uh, in the White House and how America was really excited about the potential of what God had for us. And then one November day, a bullet shattered the dreams of many Americans and certainly shattered the dreams of a wife and her children. We understand that there are lots of things in life that again try to shatter your dreams. There are bullets coming from you from the enemy. He would love to destroy, but say no. It all rises and falls on leadership, gentlemen. It all rises and falls on leadership. For every man that's here, I just want to say leadership is the capacity by which you are able to communicate to your household, to your wife, to your children, that which God has said in his word. Every man is called to be a man. We live in a time right now where there is such an attack on masculinity. I'm talking about righteous, sanctified masculinity. I'm not talking about the man who beats his wife. That's not masculinity. That's sin and it's wrong. It was a week, amen. Just wait for the rest of the wave to come in. There's never, it's never okay for that to happen. I remember my father once standing on a Father's Day before his congregation, and I was just a young teenager listening to him preach. And I remember he said these words, there was a day when a man who beat his wife got a visit from the men of the community. They'd take him out back behind the barn, and that man would wish to God he had never raised his fist against his wife. I thought to myself, that's some pretty strong, potent medicine right there. (laughs) I said, Dad, do you mean that? He said, every bit of it. And the man didn't call to Popo because he knew he'd get another one. 
Well, maybe that's not the way we do things today. Maybe we do call the police today. Maybe we find ways to help rescue that woman from that abusive relationship. But there's no masculinity in that. That's cowardice when a man treats his wife or his children, his family that way. We also know that sometimes that comes from brokenness. Maybe he himself as a child was injured and beat and uh, uh, abused. And then he grows up without healing to only perpetrate the same behaviors. It still doesn't make it okay or right. It might be the reason why he's wounded, but it's not okay to continue to wound others. What we found out though is a society that you can postulate all of the what ifs things could have been different, but the truth is only Christ can change the heart of a man. The word of God is still the medicine that can penetrate and pierce the heart that is broken and heal it. The heart that is hard and make it soft. He can take a stony heart out of a man's chest and give him the heart of flesh. Where that man would be able to once again be filled with the knowledge and the purposes of God. So Jesus in Matthew's gospel chapter 20. He said these things but Jesus called them to himself. Verse 25. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them. So he's identifying a cultural norm not accepted by Christ, but it was a cultural norm of his day that the Gentiles lorded over those of whom they were lord over and those who are great exercise authority over them. Verse 26, it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. The words of Jesus yet stand for us, gentlemen, as a pillar, a tower of strength as to how we should be relating to those who are around us. Jesus himself was creating the model whereby which our relationship should be with every person in whom we have a relationship with or an encounter. That we towards our brides, we are called to serve them. We are called to lay down our lives for them, to ensure that God's plans and purposes for our bride is fulfilled to its fullest capacity. So in one brief paragraph, these just three sentences long, Jesus, Lord of the universe, is making his point. He settled the nature of authority forever. It's not up for redefinition. And he ought to know, because he invented authority, no uncertain terms, Jesus says it like this. A leader, a leader is a servant to all. So kingship, leadership, headship, call it whatever you want. It's not bossing, it's serving. It's not demanding, it's caring. It's not strutting, it's stooping. It's not leisure, it's labor. It's not a parachute, it's a cross. Come on, somebody. Jesus clarified the reality for his followers and for us today as followers of Christ that a leader is a servant. The head of his home, servant of the home. One charged with authority and he must lead with love. So Jesus did and he is still changing the world today with his words concerning leadership. I would say too often we as men miss this profound principle and it's the one we need to walk and, and reach for on a daily basis. How may I serve my household? How may I serve my family? 
Many men are still strutting about, demanding submission. Many men are consumed with self-assertion, wanting to assert themselves, self-promotion, self-absorption, and self-elevation. It usually comes out of a really poor image of oneself. But Jesus is saying, it shall not be so among you when he spoke to his disciples in Matthew's gospel. So now that we clarify the reality of what leadership would look like, we know that the Lord has stunned us into a new way of thinking out of the norms of our society that you and I are living in. We're ready to take a careful look at this pillar of a man's heart called the pillar of a king. And so I'm going to ask that you grab your pencil or paper and do a little grease lightning ink pen writing or use your device if you can thumb that thing so fast. I see some people, they go, their thumbs are going like this. They can type in tongues faster than I can write. The king pillar... It casts the long shadow across the scripture. Jesus is referred to as the king of kings. Adam was instructed to have dominion. The king's function is one of authority. Ladies, I'm going to ask today that as I pursue these next portions of this message, that you would once again, although you may have been pinched by wrong application of authority, the misuse of one's leadership, I'm going to ask that you would listen right along with me. You would understand that there's a role for the man and the husband to play in the relationship. And although you may have been abused or hurt or wounded by it, a teacher, a father, a mentor, a coach, some relative or some stranger, I'm just wanting you to see today that the facts are the facts and the truth is the truth. And there's a passage and a place for everyone in the family by which they walk in success. And I've already indicated that a husband as the king is to be a servant, not a tyrant. So Adam was instructed to have dominion. Authority is the foundational bottom line of the universe. The question that always arises, I think, is who's in charge here? Who's in charge? See, rebellion against God's authority is what started the the first ever war in all of the heavens. And just as it started every war since, rebellion against that which is leadership. Truth is, someone is always in charge. It's the way God made the world, and someone is always in charge, whether it's the teacher or the coach or the soldier or the judge or the sheriff or the pastor or whatever or whoever is in charge. There's somebody in charge. Can they get an amen? Amen. I recently watched a clip and saw that there was a man who just laughed and mocked at what the judge was saying and found himself in jeopardy of spending 100 years in jail. That judge was not taking it for light. No matter where you are, who you are, where you live, someone is always going to have an authority and be able to speak as to whether or not you walk in freedom or you go to jail. In your home, gentlemen, that someone is you, you're the one that's to be in charge. There's a reason for that. Because someone must keep the door of the home. Guard the house, provide the safety, ensure that the family will be okay and safe from the harm of life and what happens by the hand of the enemy. 
So you're called to take charge and organize and lead. It's your responsibility. And you might as well take charge because if you don't, you still give an account for having not served in taking charge. Taking charge is not taking away. Taking charge is simply walking in the way. Let me say it again. To take charge, gentlemen, is not to take away from what doesn't belong to anyone else but you. To take the charge is to be charged by the word of the Lord that you are called to guard your house. You heard earlier by the prophet as she spoke to us about those things that come out of our mouth, the things that come into our eyes and come into our heart and then come out of our mouth will either pervert or prevent destruction in our lives. So listen, when you get a group of men together, there's always a pecking order that starts to form. How many of you guys know that? When you were in school, there was always, everybody was all, all, everybody's buddies, but there's always seems to be this leader. There's this pecking order that just kind of forms. It's a a very basic part of of being a man and uh, it's taking an initiative. And some men are are good to just walk alongside other men, but someone will always find themselves in a leadership capacity. So you're the only man in your house. You're the head of the home and the family. You're the one that's called to take charge. So don't forget how to take charge. Take charge because it's a charge from the Lord. Be responsible. Ladies, if you're here today and you're not married, I just want you to know that I'm speaking to your future husband and we're gonna hold him accountable that he be a godly man, a loving man, a king and not a tyrant. That when you release to him because he becomes your husband, that he will be the lover of your soul. He will be a lover of your passion. He will be a lover of your, of your dreams and your vision. Not a, a, a supplanter, not a put his foot on your neck and crush anything you've thought or hoped for. So considerately, thoughtfully, lovingly place the interest of others, gentlemen, above your own, above my own. But for God's sake, take the charge and follow through on what Jesus has required. There's another principle that's got to be understood that everyone answers to somebody. Come on, somebody. Everybody answers to somebody. And that chain is not irreversible. It's not reversible or mutual. The chain of authority is not reversible or mutual. In fact, there is no such thing as mutual submission in the marriage relationship. Now, don't raise up the hair on the back of your neck just yet. Listen to me. That's a myth being promulgated by biblical feminists. You should write that one down. There are some who are saying that the word of God teaches mutual submission in the marriage relationship. It doesn't. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21 states, be subject to one another. And that's a reference to the relationship between believers in the body of Christ, not in the relationship between a husband and a wife. The truth is Ephesians 5:22 through 6:9 is the illustrative amplification of Ephesians 5 and 21. It's as if Paul said, be subject to one another. For example, wives be subject to your husbands, children be subject to your parents, workers be subject to your employers, and so on. So there's a misnomer of mutual submission in the home. Now you've heard already what I've had to say about husbands serving. The king is not a tyrant, but a servant leader. So you can understand that at this point when I say 
that there's no such thing as mutual submission in the home is because God understands that he will have somebody stand before him and give an account. I bring to you the premise that the Garden of Eden is still the pattern. God asked the man a question and he threw it off onto the woman. He sinned in two ways. One, that he ate the fruit that he should not have eaten of. And two, he threw Eve under the bus. If he had manned up right there, he might have been walking in a place of bringing reconciliation for him and Eve. But instead, that woman, and I want you to see something. When men don't take the charge, they blame God for what's not going right in their life. For it was Adam that said, that woman you gave me. When a man doesn't receive the charge, take the charge of leadership, he'll ultimately blame God for what's not going right or good or easy or pleasant in his life. Come on, somebody. It's not a hard pill to swallow. You understand the scripture. It's powerful. Be subject to one another. It's a misnomer to think in mutual submission. Only among believers is the mutual submission found in the text of Scripture. So I understand that if a man and a woman are believers, one can assert the application of the Scripture. But in the covenant of marriage, in the covenant of marriage, the priority here is above any of those other contextualizations. In a marriage, a husband is called to lead as a king leader, not a tyrant abuser. Paul begins his discourse in Ephesians not by telling husbands to lord over his wife, but by calling, but by calling her to recognize the husbands to call his wife to recognize that God designed him for leadership and that she and her needs will be met by God's plan of authority in the home. She shall receive all that she needs because he's going to walk in right relationship with his God and creator and he's going to walk in right relationship with his bride. Can I have an amen? Paul then tells this husband, so I want you to recognize, recognize the wife's appointment. Uh, The most important person in all of your life, sir, the most important person in all of your journey will be that bride that walks beside you to serve her needs to the point of my own, your own self-sacrifice. Just as Christ serves the church, that being our example, we serve her. Listen, being subject to someone is a one-way road. Christ is subject to the Father. The church is subject to Christ. Husbands are subject to Christ. Wives are subject to husbands. Children are subject to their parents. Workers are subject to their bosses. On and on, you can see the relationship goes. Husbands are instructed to take the lead with great amounts of sober responsibility, tender sensitivity, caring thoughtfulness, but they must lead. This shouldn't be a stumbling block for any of us, but we live in a cultural time. A societal perversion has vomited upon our nation. If you don't see it, I would like to bring it to your attention. No longer do they want you to believe the word of God concerning what they've said, but now they would like to ungender the components of the family. By convoluting 
and saying there are so many expressions of gender, there's even the neutral gender. Have you ever had to clean up puke? In your home, there'll always be the assigned puke cleaner. Did you hear me? I know some men who were so weak-kneed and weak-stomached. <clears throat> if the baby does a burp and it's a tiny spot on the, on the garment, the, the <laughs> love the baby while he's walking and saying, da-da. But the moment the child burps or has a poo-poo in the diaper, hand it over to the mother. That's our responsibility. I just want you to know in my house, I am the strongest stomach. <clears throat> when one of the boys got sick and threw up, it was my ministry to clean it up. What do you mean? I want to tell you why. The first time one puked up a real puking, puking mess, my wife was about to add to that mess. And once you hear the first start, you need to separate her from whatever it is as quickly as possible. Why? Because I'll have more to clean up. The boys know that the moment she goes, I would just come run and say, leave, leave, leave. It was a warning, Will Robinson. One night we got sick at our house. Not, Pastor Cindy got sick first, and then she she could not get she could not clean up what she had gotten sick with. And I started to clean that up, and then I hear a child, my, my youngest son, and he is he is he is making a mess of that bathroom, his bathroom. Oh my god. Sprayed the walls, but just it was horrible. Now, the women are about to get sick, but the men like hearing about puke. That's a man thing, unless you're weak-kneed. Weak-kneed means you won't get on your knees and clean up what you know if you don't, it's going to get bad. I'm the strong stomach in my house. Doesn't mean that I don't want to. It just means I told myself, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stop it. I had to rebuke that spirit of come off of me. That's how you do it. Thank you for listening to In Him with Pastor Dan Wormuth of Joplin Family Worship Center. Listen to this broadcast again at KNEO.org. You can also download a podcast version of today's message by searching KNEO on iTunes. Joplin Family Worship Center is located on East 7th Street in Joplin and has ministries for all ages. They invite you to join them this week for Sunday morning worship at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Find out more at jfwc.org or facebook.com slash Joplin Family Worship Center. Follow Pastor Dan on Twitter at Daniel H. Wormuth. Thank you for listening. And remember, in Him, you are free.